welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith, and thank you for listening. David is not here, as he never is uh, for our Oscar episode. He does not watch the Oscars with us. Um, he just stays at home, and that's kind of it. And I'm not sure why, although you know what? I can relate to it in my own way, but I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but first, I wanted to let everybody know that this episode, as always, is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $8.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. All right, so currently available on Mubi is, in just in time for Oscar season... I guess it's over now, Oscar season, but just in time, you know, you're probably still, you've you've still got Oscar fever, all right? It's still right there. Uh, Roman Polanski's The Pianist, uh, winner of Best Actor, Screenplay, and Director, all of which I'm pretty sure was a surprise at the time. Um, But yeah, so if you've not seen The Pianist, it is a really effective film and one that, uh, I've said it before uh, on the show, uh, fairly recently, in fact that movies that are like World War II based or Holocaust based, it's not that I am unsympathetic to them, but uh, I often feel like if a movie isn't bringing anything new to it, uh, my natural inclination is to think that it's just exploiting it, um, which I know is a bit uncharitable. But uh, one of the things that I like about The Pianist is that it is, I think, shockingly unsentimental. And I think it's by following this one guy, and it's a true story, by following this one uh this one guy as he goes from house to house, from city to city, trying to, to hide out uh, his experiences mirror those of Polanski himself. And so it does feel a little bit different, uh, or at least certainly at the time it did. So uh, if you haven't seen The Pianist, check it out. Uh, and then there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Uh, And then before I bring in our guests, I also wanted to remind everybody that uh, this year's BP's awards are now available, Um, but we're doing it a little bit different. Um, The standard ceremony in which uh, we hosted at the Kodak Theater and we have uh, our various contributors present the awards, uh, we weren't able to do that this year. Uh, for reasons that we do go into uh, on the actual uh, on this year's ceremony, we we pared it down a little bit. Um, David Scott and myself uh, were able to uh, get together at this little black box theater, and then we had this little audience of like fifteen people, uh, and so and we just talked about who won and and uh, uh, who should have won in the year twenty seventeen in general. So. Uh, and that is available as a premium episode, so you can buy that for $1.50. And I did not say this on the episode uh, itself, uh, but I wanted to. Uh, the episode does feature special music by a friend of mine, uh, mine named uh, Amsi Hernandez, who does a really great job with the, uh, the intro and the outro. So check that out. You can find, the ba- find that at battleshippretension.com. And then lastly, uh, anybody who is still interested in uh, Oscar stuff, if you head on over to Politico, you can read an article that I uh, that I wrote um, about the politics of the Oscars and uh, trying to uh, break through the partisanship and try to just embrace 
art and the connectedness that can come from it. So, uh, and then in the comments section, you'll find that some people are really on board with that and some are not, uh, as tends to happen. But uh, anyway, so uh, I think that that's everything as far as announcements. Um, so let's go ahead and bring on uh, our guests. Uh, they've been, This is our third or fourth time third this is our third time doing this uh we've got friend of the show jason eakin hey everybody all right and then of course we've got do we have a title for you uh contributor that's not that fun i'll think of something uh ian brill ian how you doing hey everybody i'm doing all right um wait was this, is this our third or fourth did we do we did birdman was the first one okay so birdman what one after that spotlight spot oh what no, I thought Birdman was like uh, three years ago. Is that not right? No, it's what? Birdman, Spotlight, Moonlight, this. Oh, so we've done four So this four is four. Years. Four, okay. Yeah. I wasn't counting this year. Because who knows okay. how this will go. Right. <laughs> this may be Maybe over this. right <laughs> fucking now. I might replace you guys <laughs> yes. uh, halfway through. Um, but yeah, and so uh, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about. Not quite as much as last year, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. But um, I did want to first mention, uh, I believe two years ago. Yeah, it was about two years ago. Um, we talked about something uh, on this episode. And I wanted to address it. Uh, now because it has been taken care of, which is Snoke is no more. Yes, folks, in in case you don't know, (laughs) Snoke broke. (laughs) And no one is... Well, no, I was going to say no one is sadder than me, but also Andy Serkis' agent because his character died in... Star Wars, The Last Snoke. <laughs> Babe's movies seem to be done. Yeah. Yeah. His character dies in Black Panther. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I have not everyone, seen it. Everyone's seen that. Oh, I was going to say everyone's seen that movie, but apparently not. <laughs> and, uh, and his next movie is The Jungle Book, which is already a movie. So <laughs> already a couple of movies. So, so I was, I think Andy Serkis is wonderful. And you're right. His agent must be in mourning right is now. Like, is is going on? Oh, no. And he well, just directed we, a movie. Like, was it called Breathe, Breathe with Andrew yeah. Garfield? Yeah, Andrew. I, and I think four that? people oh, yeah, saw yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I always thought it was interesting about Breathe because it's about this guy who is like a quadriplegic or something like mm-hmm. that and can't yeah. move. And I thought, like, no one better to direct that than the guy who is known for movement. Well, we right. should say Andy Serkis does a mocap performance of the wheelchair. I was going to say. Actually, Andrew Garfield is like on him. You see this in the behind the scenes. Like Serkis is like, he's like basically like the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> Which is extra hard because he's, he's not American. He doesn't know what that is. He's never exactly. seen a person right. sitting down before. At least not that size. Exactly. And so Andrew Garfield then sits down on No one him. from America has ever seen a large picture of someone sitting. It's, it's, That's what you're it's saying. It's what makes it great about being right. an American. That's true. And you're half British, correct? So uh, you would know. I have, I have Irish, my dad's from Scotland, my mom's from Ireland. I have Irish citizenship. Oh, when wow. I sit down, people don't know what's making it. <laughs> All right, so listeners, uh, that's what you that bullshit is what you can expect for the next six hours. I'm gonna say three and a half yeah. hours or so. Yeah. Um, we like to we try to match the we uh, time the, the show, themselves. yeah, and we say, you know what, I can beat this right. minute two. Um, so okay, uh, 
so yeah, Snoke is out, and that was one. We of the, that listen, was, these <laughs> we've never seen a bad Jedi come back as a Force ghost. I mean. Darth Vader, but he turns good at the end. So who knows? Maybe they're like red Jedi ghosts. That's true. And, yeah. and Snoke is me. like, oh, you, Kylo Ren, you're still a bitch or whatever. <laughs> He's pretty <laughs> rough on Kylo Ren. He He's is, like yes. that dumb helmet of yours. <laughs> yeah. I do actually kind of like Snoke in, in The He's, Last Jedi. I mean, there's not much to him, but I, know, off, I think the, the CGI looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Like the texture of his skin looks good. And I think it's just a really, he's just a real a- asshole. He does not. That's the thing. These Empire or New Order guys, they hate each other. That's true. Hux and Ren are, yeah. Hux yeah. was ready to kill Ren. Yeah. Which was something that I, that I always, yes. uh, that I liked about this new thing is that like, Everything is so much more volatile. Like, admittedly, yeah. Darth Vader was pretty volatile. Like, you'd kill his own guys in the in the old trilogy. But, uh, but yeah, the fact that everyone is just <laughs> it's kind of neat that like the New Order is essentially hanging by a thread yeah. because everybody hates each other, um, which is something I think is kind of neat. But look, we're not here to talk about. I was going to say, Jedi. I'm checking my scorecard. How many <laughs> Oscars did Star Wars win? Zero. Sam Rockwell played uh, General <laughs> Hux, right? Sure. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, we're here to talk about the Oscars ceremony, who won, and that sort of thing. So we will lead off with this. Not a single surprise, except maybe documentary feature, Good which I hate God. to say it, people yeah. don't think about very yeah. much. Um, so, And it's hard for there to be a... Unless there's like a Michael Moore movie in contention. Sure. It's hard for there to be a dominant front runner. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in our circles, then it's like, oh, Agnes Varda, you know, made sure. this film Faces yeah. Places. And um, and so I think there was that. But uh, and then there, uh, some of the documentaries were things that I had like heard of, uh, heard of and heard good things about. But yeah, for mm-hmm. the most part, it's just nothing that people. I, although I guess last year there was a very clear front runner. The what OJ. was last year? OJ made in America. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. Just as we watch the ceremony now, of course, there's. We also were keeping track of you know the uh, the Oscar draft. So like that adds an element of like hoping there's an upset in certain categories. I think that was maybe more interesting in terms of surprises yeah. or potential surprises than the Oscars themselves. It's, it's oh, the best reason, listeners, to start your Oscar draft because it takes perhaps one of the most predictable Oscars in many years and gives it some juice. Gives You finally feel like something's on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially, and you know, listeners, I know that you're not that interested in, in this year's draft, but what? it was like down to the wire. Like yeah. it really, like it was between Jason and Scott for a long time. And I, as I often do, I just assumed that Scott had it, but then you showed up and it's like, Hey, I never, why did you not assume that I had it? I'm the reigning champion. Yeah, I get, well, not anymore. <laughs> um, you know, the king is dead. Long live the king. Um, <laughs> now, I have to say, I, okay. I don't want to turn this into a sports podcast, except let's turn it into a sports podcast. Absolutely. You know, you... De- a noted athlete did win an Oscar tonight. <laughs> you dethroned oh. me one month to the day after my beloved New England Patriots were themselves dethroned in the Super Bowl. So once mm. again, my life mirrors that of Tom Brady. I can't uh-huh. escape it. And so I'm the... Uh, Philadelphia Eagles? Sure, yeah. 
I can see that. There's rioting in the streets of Tyler you, tonight. Your fans Absolutely. are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of true. Um, but uh, listeners, Ian's talking about you. Um, I, I love Philadelphia. I, I love the, its food. I love its bells. Sure. That main one. Yeah. But all of them. <laughs> all the bells. It is the city of like 30,000 bells. It, it's it, really weird. It, um, it was our nation's capital mm-hmm. at some point. They yeah. obviously they came to their senses. Yeah. Changed that up. But for a while. They yeah. saw the locals and they said, let's yeah. pack up. Like, yeah. we, are not, we can't keep the president here. <laughs> we will be done as a country and a concept. Yeah, this great experiment is going to fail. Did you see any of the videos of the Philadelphia Oh, they're on the awning and yeah. Oh my God. It was, I mean, you know, for one night, Philadelphia, can you not be so fucking Philadelphia? Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> you just won something. Why does it seem like you lost? I know. It's like, is this the team that... What if they lost? I think uh, maybe it would have been more tame. Oh, maybe people would have gone. They'd be a little bit they, they would have expected it. Yeah. <laughs> introspective, yeah. <laughs> they'd look, you know, inside themselves. They probably would have said, now, what have I done in my life right. to, to make this happen? What have I contributed to the problem in my relationships, yeah, at my job that I often don't go to? Like, they, they thought about that, like, as, as the Patriots were starting to win, and then suddenly filled up right. one. They're like, I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> I'm invincible. Exactly. Folks, we're talk- God. folks, we're talking about Philadelphia because there were no surprises <laughs> this Oscar. Yeah, really so we're just going to get to every city. Buffalo, you're up. <laughs> Wings, they're great. But you know what? <laughs> Toronto Junior is what we call you. <laughs> Some cities are dwarfed by other American cities. They're not even dwarfed by an American city. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Anyway, I couldn't help but point out the parallels. Yes, and indeed. I love to rope in sports to your podcast. I'm sure your listeners adore it. Undoubtedly. They're quickly Googling going, what the fuck is a Philadelphia Eagle? <laughs> That's true. Um, and uh, appropriately, that is how you would ask uh, anything having to do with Philadelphia. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, talking about it, it's I, Ian, I absolutely agree with you that like it does add a little bit of suspense and yeah. just a little bit of... Uh, investments in the Oscars, and so even even a, a, a ceremony as predictable as this mm-hmm. one, uh, there's this a little bit of suspense of like, well, hang on a minute, hang on, yeah. Now someone over here, they could get, you know, they could come from behind, like uh, yeah, Julie Cesnovich, um, uh, who's been on the show before and has and has contributed to uh, our uh, top tens in the past, tops ten, pardon me. Um, she was third and. Came in like she's she wound up being one point behind you, Jason. You were yeah. second, and so it was. Uh, and then there's always the possibility that like, uh, what if Francis McDormand didn't win? Like it could have been Sir right. Sharon, it could have been Sally Hawkins if there was like yeah. a, a deep a groundswell of support for Shape of Water. Yeah, um, and that could have changed things a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, but unfortunately, everything went according to plan. Yeah, uh, which is really boring. Although I do want to take us like a, a step back because I do remember like when we <coughs> the other nice thing about these Oscar traps is you get a sense of 
how the entire award season goes. That's true. And we we pick our picks in October before most of these films are out. Yeah, nobody just, had seen the post. Phantom Thread got a title the day before the draft. Yes. Yeah. So like I believe was, I had seen three billboards at a critic screen yeah, the before day before out, out. or yeah. two uh-huh. days before. So no one had seen it yet. And I was like, this movie is not very good. I thought yeah. it was going to like do great, which it did. Uh, but yeah, I it really... Uh, it screwed up my view of the yes. film. I did. I I went for Francis McDormand, but I didn't think the film was going to get nearly as much support as it did. Yeah, because I was the only one that did, that had seen it. Right. And but at that time, I remember thinking Shape of Water definitely as a as a dark horse because Del Toro is respected, but he hasn't gotten a lot of awards love. Yeah. And it's funny thinking about this and Get Out. Um, it is. Um, the, the Oscars where horror movies, if you consider both a horror movie, I do, mm-hmm. um, has gotten the most love in a long, long time. Uh, so if we take a step back and forget that both those films have been reaping awards for the past three, four months, uh, it is special that both those films were honored after, you know, because, you know, it's wonderful that Del Toro talks about exploring stories in genre films because we don't usually see genre films be honored this way. Not, not for like best picture. Yeah. Well, and, and, but that's the thing is like, even it's the kind of genre film that the Oscars can get behind because it's not pure genre. It's not a pure monster film. Um, it has all these elements, including social, sociopolitical elements. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, this I can get behind. Mm-hmm. But Jason, I remember specifically you, you drove me to the draft. I'm, I, I'm not talking about the draft anymore, but what I'm saying is that like, and you and I, as we were driving there, we were completely flummoxed as to like, we were commenting on how there was no yeah. front runner. Yeah. And so we just all, we, both of us and other people just thought like, I guess it's just Christopher Nolan's year. I guess it's done yeah. for, just by default because yeah. nothing has come along. It's and just boy, did big I not enough. think Shape of Water was going to yeah. be it. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it was just big enough. He kind of had that I'm due sort mm-hmm. of quality to it, you know, so so it seemed like that could be it. But I, I think you're totally right about Shape of Water. And, and I appreciate what you said in terms of taking a step back and going, wait, let's look at the movies that are nominated. Maybe two of these would have been nominated in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rest of the slate would have been filled out by movies that were... Uh, and I'm not trying to put this movie down, but uh, movies a little more maybe like The Post. You know, yeah. that would have been like four or five of them. And then yeah. maybe you get something like Shape of Water, probably not Get Out. Um, oh, sure. Certainly not. And, you know, Lady Bird for like screenplay and some acting stuff. Screenplay yeah. actress, supporting yeah. supporting actress. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like this year. So there are what? N- there are nine nominees, nine. correct? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, in previous years, not so much lately, but let's say 10 years ago, um, it's like okay, Phantom Thread, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, and The Post. Oh, are like, a couple years ago, Darkest Hour gets nominated for director. Sure, you know, I feel like I mean, I guess Phantom Thread is more accessible than The Master, but it easily could have gone. Yeah, it could have gone. You know, no acting nominations, just a nomination for costumes and and score, maybe. And even score wouldn't have been a, a guarantee. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, it's a movie, you know, he has such a weird little relationship with the Academy yeah. that you'd never really can tell. I mean, the year of the master, I, I'm sorry to keep talking about the Oscar draft, but like, 
I was so because I had seen it. It in. came out. It yeah. came out in like September, and so I had it for like picture, director, screenplay, and I think it's worthy of those. But it just like that is just never going to happen. And you in did that. A, and you did fine as far as critics go, but sure. you didn't do great. I did like, okay. Yeah, you did okay. But but so yeah. So taking a step back, like the movie that seemed to hit all the buttons in all the technical categories was made for 20 million bucks. Yeah. Mm. And is a monster feature with a mute woman and a gay neighbor and a fish man. You know, it's like... Fishman. Fishman, That's his name. I mean, that's that's kind of insane. Well, it's a weird thing because Shape of Water, and I only saw it the once, but I feel like you see it again. It sometimes feels like the most predictable, least predictable movie. Yeah. In the fact that... Yes, we can say it's a lady who falls in love with a fish. Isn't that weird? But then the way it's executed, and it's executed well, but not with many great surprises, except maybe with Michael Stuhlbarg's character. But like yeah. that's it. In terms oh, of see, surprise. Michael Shannon's character, I, I felt there Which was... Which I think is very well done, but also... I thought there was a little more depth than I expected, actually. Okay, yeah. Yeah, to so, really yeah. show his home life, which is... Quite something. Yeah. 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 Really got me going. Is that the yeah. point you're making? Oh, no. Oh, all right. Oh, dear God, no. <laughs> but, man, I, I mean, it's a I'm great, just... great movie for eggs. Yeah, great. it is. Great. It is. I, get, I am just thinking of, like, visually doing a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. Think of just, like, the, the scene in, in her bathroom when it's filling up with water. Yeah. And just, yeah. like, just, I mean, and then the water's just spraying out. It's yeah. so visually attractive and 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 pleasing and yet it's not this big sweeping Lawrence of Arabia type thing. Yeah, as I've said before, I I have a hard time thinking of the film or or really appreciating it on a complete level by which I mean I like maybe even love a lot of the individual components but as it all comes together and maybe this is a function of the screenplay um it doesn't totally work for me, hmm. but it's beautiful music. It's beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Great performances all around. Yeah. So like, I can't really fault it for any of that. And so even though I said that as a complete product, I don't think I really love it. But I will say that I think that it is very completely real. It's fully realized. Like everything uh-huh. about like the sequence you're talking about. Like, And I forget. I think it might have been Alexander uh, Desplan or however you say his name. I'm sorry. Um, he was talking to... In his speech, he was talking to Guillermo del Toro, and he said something that hadn't even occurred to me. He said, Let, thank you for letting me speak for your characters. And mm-hmm. in that moment, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess the romance comes from two silent people. Yeah. You know? And so the music is even more important than I thought it was. It's not merely underscoring. Like, it has yeah. to really do double duty for, for the viewer. Yeah. And when I... It's, it's frustrating to me that I hadn't thought of it until he said that. And then I thought like, oh, yeah, it is really effective on that level. It is a yeah, beautiful is. score. I find myself, I was listening to it the other day, mm-hmm. and I found I found myself like whistling it uh, yeah. to myself. And there's kind of a, a beautiful otherworldly quality to it. So already it's more interesting to talk about the movies themselves than the Oscar ceremony. Uh, where n- No question yeah. about it. Although, so I guess to talk about the ceremony itself, yes. Um, there was a lot of stuff that I found very funny, a lot of effective mm-hmm. bits, a lot of effective jokes. I think Jimmy Kimmel has shown himself to be a pretty effective host. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's... So a, a big part of that uh, Politico piece that I wrote is all about, like, the politics of the Oscars and just the, the divides that come about when the Oscars... 
uh, are announced. Um, and, you know, last year it was Trump joke, Trump joke. And you didn't really get a lot of that. And I think it's because this last year has been a little bit rough for Hollywood. Like they came to, mm-hmm. I think they came to realize like, yeah, maybe we're not angels either. And so a lot of the humor seemed to come at the expense of Hollywood and a lot of like the, the, the political or social like messaging came from, Hey, we need, we need to work on ourselves. Hmm. Um, and that was something that I found interesting. I'm not sure if I would say it was necessarily refreshing. It was a little bit expected, but it was something that I, so did you prefer, here was one question I was wondering about for all three of us, which, um, Jimmy Kimmel performance as a host, do you prefer last year's, this year's? This year. Really? Yeah. Ian? It's hard for me. Uh, I enjoy him as a host, but I don't honestly give it that much consideration. But I do. You know what? I'll say this year because I don't think the Matt Damon thing is that funny. And there was way less of it this year, to be quite honest. (laughs) Okay, that might be the difference, because I think it's really funny. Like when he uh, like plays Matt Damon off when he introduced Matt Damon and Ben Affleck last year. Like, that was some great stuff. Like, Ben Affleck and Guest. <laughs> That's such a good joke. And then he's playing Matt Damon off as I guess he's introducing there's a sense, it. There's a sense of him being a master of ceremonies last year, um, whereas this one, he's just more of, you know, just the host. Let I me make a quick the, case for why I like last year's better. And it okay. comes down to kind of one simple thing. Last year, to me, felt looser. And maybe it's, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think we, and we saw how that went. <laughs> exactly. so we don't want to do that again. Exactly. Yeah. But this year, so like last year, if you remember because of the whole debacle at the end, then we saw a pictures of what the envelopes looked like yes. and they were beautifully, you know, designed and stuff like that. And this year's were fine, but it's like gigantic letters yeah. of what the category is, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I felt like. Because of this year in Hollywood, he was kind of locked in to a certain type of joke, a certain type of comment. And I felt, I guess I felt a lack of looseness on his part. So I would, I think he's a really good host and he still had some really good jokes that we'll get into, but I would love to see him a third time. I think he's certainly good enough to do it again. I would love to see him again to see if he can sort of like, not have to, I guess, carry the weight of all of the last year of Hollywood in his uh, in his opening monologue. And I think I agree that last year was looser and probably a bit more naturalistic in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I think what I like about this year, as opposed to last year, is that the looseness came from a fe- uh, a feeling in the entire room of comfort of mm-hmm. everybody being like, "Hey, look." We all we all can agree that we hate Trump. We can all just sure, get the enemy. That. We all have one yeah. enemy, and he's out there. Exactly. And so with this, I think there was a certain degree of somberness. Is that the word? Somberness uh, in the room. And don't get me wrong. Like, I, by all means, like I, I don't like a lot of the stuff that Trump does. Like, by yeah. go, go after him. But what I I do like that that he's still an easy target. It's interesting. But they, okay. Yeah, sorry. But they didn't go for the easy target. They did a couple times here and there, but that's natural. Sure. Um, 
instead they they took a breath and said, well, okay, hang on, we need to do some soul searching of our own. And I think it is reflected in that, like hmm. maybe the looseness, okay, I'm, I'm pontificating now and I'm talking about larger things at this point, but like, it's like, hey, the looseness that allows us to all feel super comfortable when making fun of the other side, it's, it's, maybe that's the same kind of looseness that uh, allows some of this bullshit to happen mm-hmm. uh, because we're not calling each other on things. Hmm. Um, because we're so focused on these other people that we don't like that, uh, you know, it's what David has said in the past that like, there's this idea that in Los Angeles and stuff that if you give the appearance of being an ally and if you say the right things politically or whatever, like people will actually kind of let you get close and mm-hmm. you actually wind up being really exploitative of that. Yeah. And so, um, so like I didn't mean to necessarily read this much into this year versus last year, but I think maybe because of that article that I wrote and I was reading a lot of opinions about the Oscars, certainly a lot of conservative opinions. And a thing that they always say is that the Oscars are just so self-congratulatory. It's like, well, first off, of course they are. They're awarding each other things. Yeah. But. And I, but, I, I found an quite a few moments this year. Oh, no question about the it. Same sort of bullshit. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely always going to be that. But I also like that because here's the thing, a lot of conservatives were saying that because of Parkland, uh-huh, that the Oscars were going to pivot to gun control and use that as an excuse to not look at themselves at all. Interesting. And they didn't do that. Like, no, they, they kept didn't. it to themselves, which is something that I appreciate. Yes, of course, they were still very con- self-congratulatory. You can't help it. Right. But, um, you know, to this day, like one of my favorite things, one of my favorite jokes ever, I've said it before, I think I say it every year. Um, it was when Billy Crystal hosted like in 2008 or nine, I don't recall. Um, and they're in the middle of the recession and he goes, he's like, he goes, well, you know, it's time for the Oscars you know, in the middle of the recession. Like nothing is more relevant than the Oscars, uh, a show of millionaires giving each other gold statues. And I, <laughs> I, I love that joke. Um, and so I feel like for me being, you know, in the middle, well, not, I'm not in the middle politically, obviously I lean right, but I also love movies and I'm entrenched in like film mm-hmm. and, and this sort of thing. And so being kind of in the middle He's of He's a this, man caught between two cultures. I'm a man without a country. That's not true. I'm in the U.S. of A. The internet is his country. And it's no country for old men, I'll tell you that. And he's an old man. That is true. You are not. I did turn 36. Um, Yeah, 36, the new 70. I am hanging out with a lot of 18 and (laughs) 19-year-olds. I'm feeling pretty old these days. But anyway. uh, Ian and I are a cool 23. (laughs) Combined. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Seems like an oversight on my part. We do have to talk about that beer you served me. <laughs> the cops are on their way. Um, and so yeah. are my parents. But yeah, so I've, sorry, I've been talking long enough, but there was, there was an element of refreshing. Not that it was like incredibly refreshing. It's, it, it was in many cases par for the course, but uh-huh. it subverted my expectations. And that was refreshing to me. Last, I year, say, did, last year did not subvert my expectations. But yes. I will say, <laughs> except at the end, the the I guess one of the things that I, that I, I do praise this uh, Kimmel's performance tonight is the fact that he didn't ignore um, so many of the the social issues that people have been talking about, especially the Me Too and and Times Up movement. But then he did actually. What is a a. a a, a bit of a tightrope walk of making jokes about it and then 
everyone can come along, everyone who's uh, can can enjoy it. Uh, I did feel a bit of a um, not a shudder. But maybe a shiver when he brought up <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. I thought sure. he, I think he expected more from those jokes, which I think which I think were were fine and and, yeah. and very much welcomed. Um, but the fact that he was able to like say it and not have it be this you know Voldemort hanging over the uh, the, yeah. Yeah. the ceremony uh, is important. And then also it wasn't uh, um, you know it wasn't a downer. The whole bit with. Uh, praising the Oscar for being you know, sexless and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. And there, and speaking of like, you know, little, not necessarily like political jokes, but just some of the jokes, like there's the thing at the, at the beginning, like the, the black and white, like old timey Oscar thing. Mm -hmm. And one of my, he goes, he goes, here's army hammer who was born when a witch put a curse on a Ken doll. (laughs) I guess, I guess we have to talk about like the, the, was the ceremony was, balanced um, between recognizing, um, I don't even like to call it political things, I think more like social things, um, about representation, gender parity, and representation for people of color and LGBT, uh, everyone from that community, and then as well as just a funny stuff, like the jet ski yeah. stuff that was mm-hmm. running throughout the, yeah. which I actually think was pretty successful runner. It, and we've it had a really, lot of bad runners. Oh man, I'm thinking of like Oscars. the Neil the Patrick, Patrick Harris, Harris thing. thing. Oh yeah. man, Whew. that was rough. What th- what a non payoff. And this one yeah. had like a a great a payoff. beautiful payoff. Yeah, fan thank thread all thanks really to Mark big. Bridges. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Basically, like if he's not game yeah. for that, that's the thing. If it doesn't it had, work, and if it had been one of the people you know, yeah, if it had been. Guillermo del Toro for it had been one of the actors or something like that. And it's like, okay, this is a fun thing. But the fact that it's, that it's like somebody whose name you don't know. Yeah. And one of the smaller awards, I mean, obviously very important to Mark Bridges and the fact that Helen Mirren was on it with him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was so brilliant. And I loved everything about Lake Havasu where Arizona comes to play. (laughs) And it was, it was a really, and the fact that he didn't, as far as the stuff they're presenting, Mm -hmm. they only did two. Yeah, they referenced it, but they only did two of those, yeah. and then number yeah. three is the actual thing, yeah. uh, which I I think structured very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the. He's not necessarily my favorite Oscar host by by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think who that, is. That's a good question. Um, I do. I have liked John Stewart. Yeah, for the yeah. most part. Um, favorite John Stewart joke from the 2008 Oscars when he's okay. like, he's like, good God, there will be blood, no country for old men. All I can say is thank God for teenage pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> because and of Juno. One of my other favorite is when is I think the first time he hosted when um, <laughs> when they had a, a big montage about uh, like social, you know, social films of the past, you uh-huh. know, and it's just, and it's very, it seems very self-congratulatory. And then it cuts to him and he, afterwards and goes, and none of those issues were ever a problem <laughs> again. Right. And I thought, like, I do. Yeah. Like any host, I think that's the thing. And I think, I think Kimmel has, has started to do it now and do it mm-hmm. well, which is like the host do a, has to do a really good job of taking the air out of things just a little bit. Yeah. Carson did it really well. Billy Crystal did it pretty mm-hmm. well. Um, I remember really liking Chris Rock. I think he did it well. Yeah. Um, 
And it was like there was the joke when he's like, each one of these uh, crystals above <laughs> represents humility. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's, I'm not sure if I was completely on board with the, you know, let's let's get all these celebrities and go into this movie theater. But the fact of Army Hammer having a hot dog gun and then Guillermo del Toro and Lin Manuel Miranda together yeah, carrying a six sub. foot sub, it did feel like they were recreating both the, I guess the Hollywood tourism uh, yeah, thing, yeah. and then also that selfie thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's always like a stunt, but. Um, and it seems to it seems birthed out of what modern late night is like this Jimmy Fallon yes. thing where like let's yeah. show celebrities which Kimmel being doesn't goofy. do as much he doesn't mm-hmm. I mean, Kimmel's odd. been noticed for his politics he's, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but and it, it but was got the it was silly and brief enough it was like they didn't like the one last year where they brought the people in that got in danger of overstaying its welcome yes yeah. it didn't because the people they brought in were actually fantastic yes they were yeah. um but i thought we we said this during the show like good choice to lead with uh wonder woman oh yes yeah. absolutely someone That's that they how might you actually recognize yeah, exactly you don't put del toro up there <laughs> yeah. first and go like, like this is a celebrity and it's like, oh, no, no. And they're like, I don't know who that is. Oh, he directed Shape of Waters. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see, see I didn't that. See I'm that. sorry. But they saw Wonder Woman. Yes. I'm just I'm here watching Wrinkle Time. <laughs> <laughs> they, they interrupted Oprah. I know. Yeah. That's not a thing you do. No one interrupts no. Oprah. Not <laughs> exactly. even Wonder Woman. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. That uh, bitch has it in for. She's in, she's in heard, for it now. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, word gets around this yeah. town. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, so that was fine, and some good vi- good visuals, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think it was on that level. I'm trying to think of like other jokes that I particularly liked. Ian, I thought uh, Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph, yeah, were amazing. Were great. Uh, I regretted not seeing Girls Trip, and I, I guess I still can. But I was like, because yeah. I heard great things about Tiffany Haddish. She's great in Keanu. She was great oh, in yeah. Carmichael Show, which was criminally underseen. Um, but uh, she was great in that as almost like. She and Little Rel, people should have watched the Carmichael show because now Little Rel killed yeah. it and get out, and she was great in a ton of things, Girls Trip, mm-hmm. and and now she and Maya Rudolph will make a film with PTA. No kidding. Maybe that. Maybe he'll that'll a, get some. He'll Oscars. do a buddy comedy. Yeah. I think he. Maybe I don't know if he's taking a look at David Gordon Green's career because maybe that's not the best career to recreate. But he's How like, interesting. Let's make a fucking. Well, I guess did he think he was making a comedy in Inherent Vice? Maybe. Um, I think he thought he did. Yes, to a small degree. I don't get the sense that he is happy how that movie turned out okay i i think it was tough a tougher nut to crack once he got into it there's a ton of stuff in in boogie nights that i think is hilarious the whole all the the stuff in the studio Uh with robert senior saying it's not an mp it's It's a a yp (laughs) i said that to someone the other day he goes, I don't know all the technical MPYP stuff. That stuff is the great. magic that's on our tape that yeah. belongs to us. That is what we knew that um, John C. Riley is a comic genius. I don't yeah. think he's. You know, I he's, do want. I would love to see him work with John C. Riley again. He hasn't worked with him if since. If you Magnolia. put Tiffany, if you give me Tiffany Haddish, Maya Rudolph, and John C. Riley, and you tell me yeah. it's PTA, I mean, I see PTA 
every opening weekend anyway. But yeah, yeah. See all those three, and say, I'm sure he'll insist on seventy millimeter. <laughs> a seventy millimeter buddy comedy. Yeah, yeah. Let's, best let's, looking buddy comedy you've ever seen. You know what? It. Hey, John C. Riley works with Will Ferrell a lot. Let's bring yeah. him in. Now you got. Two men, two, two women, two, two SNLs. I, I did, love it. I did see uh, an interview with, uh, or at least a comment by uh, PTA, in which he said that he, his, his, uh, one of his kids had said, like, I'm tired of you making movies I can't see. Yeah. And so he said, like, I want to, I, I want to try and make something for my kids. Can you imagine how horrifying that would be? Like yeah. the most intense kids movie since <laughs> Return to Oz. <laughs> That is such a great film. <laughs> I would love it. I love that film. I would love that. Uh, is is um, you oh. know what? This was a great country for old men because um, in a strange way, <laughs> God, this what was a an segue. Oscar. What a this segue. Was, this was an Oscar that was very much looking ahead to new talent like Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig. Same mm-hmm. time, you had some great older folks. Yeah. Christopher Plummer mm-hmm. got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, even Marie Saint. Now, don't you think that that's a nomination simply because he was able to do a halfway decent job in what forty seconds? In like, like the, yeah, the week. You know, he was just on call by the seat of the pants. Yeah, he's the best. You know, he's a great uh, relief pitcher. Right. <laughs> for, yeah, I think that having not seen the film, but honestly, like even in that in the clip that they showed, I was like, he was pretty good. I bet he's good. Yeah, I, how could he not be? But uh, have you seen that? It seems like FX is now doing the same exact thing as a TV show. Yeah, and oh, Donald, Trust. yeah, Donald, and Donald Sutherland. Sutherland is playing. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? It's like Volcano and uh, Dante's Peak. Yeah, it's like it's so soon. Yeah, it's so soon after, and I guess Brendan Fraser is the uh, yeah the Wahlberg part. It's a very strange choice to me. Yeah. It's I, just with everything surrounding all the money in the world, it would seem like eh, let's maybe let that let's push let the that dust for a settle. Year. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we did learn uh, James Ivory. Yeah. He was 89. Great. Yeah. Good speech. We learned that Ava Marie Saint calls Alfred Hitchcock Fred Hitchcock, <laughs> which is what I'm going to call him from now on, <laughs> yeah. even though it sounds like. Like, that's Albert Hitchcock's brother <laughs> to the cat. Like, oh, this is the Hitchcock film. What are you? Oh, I'm Fred. I'm Fred Hitchcock. Who'd you, you, who'd there, you think? Who'd there you is think no master of suspense or anything else yeah. named Fred. You think it's suspenseful what my brother does. How suspenseful is it when you don't know which Hitchcock's coming? What's Moses? I'll ask you. I'll ask you right now. Fred Hitchcock. <laughs> Which What's cock my- you going to get? That's right. Either way, you're going to get itch. That's what we say in my family. <laughs> Alfred doesn't love it, but I love it. I give him, I give him all this crap over the table. He's like, oh, Freddie, you're not going to. And I, I say, oh, Alfie, you know it's coming. You're going to get itched. I say, go walk it, go walk into that silhouette. Think you're so great. You know when they drew that silhouette, they were having the piss, right? Looks like the letter C. They just turned around backwards. He goes, oh, Freddy, why are you making fun? That's because you're the one with the talent. And I've never been able to say this before. <laughs> 
I'm really loving this one man show. You got Between going. Freddy and Alfred, yeah, he's got going. material written. You keep looking down. No, I'm what just, were you I'm doing for the four? Were you writing this for I the did four hours of the ceremony that she wrote? That she said oh, Fred God. Hitchcock. Yeah. Which how much time does that save you? <laughs> oh, that's a syllable. You Is drop a like, syllable. Don't call me Alfred. Just call me Fred. <laughs> How much I do time? Like, I do like how proper Alfred is, but his brother Fred, Cockney as hell. <laughs> By way of Fred, Ricky Gervais, Fred yeah. very clearly. Fred was on. Fred Fred worked with the crew. <laughs> Alfred, he was like, oh, I just did the thirty nine steps and went out to America. Fred was, he was on craft services, steak and kidney pulley. Then I stepped back. All right, he was serving it up. <laughs> He, he he did craft services for the first twenty of his brother's film, and he's like, "Yeah, I I could do this. Right, give me a chair. I gained five stone. Look at him, and uh, I'll do this." <laughs> oh man. Whew. I think you've got your your next comic, man. You got to write so. about the Hitchcock, Hitchcock brothers. Hitchcock. Yeah, does Hitchcock's he's is like. The biggest secret I've always had was me brother. <laughs> Roger Deakins finally wins. And he's, he's like Bob, he's, British Bob Dylan. He's, he's just, or he's like yeah. the coolest version of Michael Caine. <laughs> he's like what Alfie would have been. <laughs> yeah, and it was... You know, even though I had, uh, I had Dunkirk for cinematography and I <clears throat> lost those points... Um, and it's, I know it sounds strange, but like, like all year long, people have been like, oh, this is the year Deacons is going to get it. And for some reason, like the minute I hear, after a while you hear that and you're just like, yeah, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know, I'm, I'm excited for him, but you know what? He's going to be, I think he's going to be okay as far as history goes. Yeah. Um, but then when he won and then they say like his first one after 14 nominations, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, all right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very happy for him. Well, the nice thing about it is that I don't want to point fingers and I guess we can get to this. Um, I, I mean, most of the speeches were fine, Yeah, but sometimes there's this little sense of like, Oh, I got my Oscar. Right. And his was not like that at all. Not and at all. if anybody's could have been, it, it, it would have been his. Instead, he was just very polite. He was yeah. very gracious. He was very quick to point out all the people that he's been working with for 30 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like he was just like a class act and also just so oddball. Well, I think. And delightfully so. I think, aside from maybe a director or a writer, like. When you think of crew members, and I recognize a cinematographer isn't simply a crew member, but they're yeah. a technician. Um, and the idea of like, oh, I've been nominated this many times, but I've never won. Mm-hmm. I think if it's an actor, then it's like, oh, this is a big deal. But right. if you're a cinematographer, it's like, I, I'm, I'm, this is neat. That's great, mm-hmm. but I'm fine. You know, I, I feel like it's not. It, There's not the sense that sometimes for actors we act like they need an Oscar in order to validate their career. Right. Same with directors. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't true. Not at all. Um, It's just, it's sort of idiotic when you sort of look back. I was looking back at a bunch of the best picture winners today and just going like, which of these films do we think of as masterpieces now? You know, it's like, it it just doesn't work that way. It seems like it's going to, you know, Julianne Moore's career hasn't changed now that she's won an Oscar. Right. You know, 
It, Especially because nobody remembers the movie she won an Oscar for. Same right. with Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a pause there, as there should have been. Still Alice and the Reader, I believe, uh-huh. is that what is they true. were. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I actually haven't seen either of those films. But like with Julianne Moore, we're going to think about Stones. back to PTA. We're going to think about yeah. Uh, Magnolia. Yeah. yeah, and and Boogie Nights or Shortcuts and, as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah, or she's, Far From Heaven. I do think I yeah. don't know. Far if From Heaven. Think of that, but I think she's um, great. In now I can't remember the one she was in with Annette Benning. That bit Kid, on the kids Billy are all right. The kids are all right. Yeah. What that say? bit on Billy on the Street. That's the one. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like those are the movies we're gonna think about her for. It's not like someone's going like, "Oh, she won her." Oh, still Alice. That's the you, get, you know. It's like doesn't and matter. like when Meryl Streep won her second lead actress Oscar for The Iron Lady. Now I think she did a fine job in it, but it was more just, "Oh, she hasn't won since Sophie's Choice. We need to rectify this. Uh-huh. Let's give her it for this." And then it's just like, "Okay, we've given her an Oscar recently." And nobody cares about what movie it's for or anything like that. They just write it like, oh, okay, yeah, she, we, we've done our our due diligence. Right. She's gotten her second Oscar. Problem solved. And honestly, like, I I've, I definitely equate The Iron Lady with Darkest Hour. Like, everything. They Absolutely. Won lead and makeup. Oh, my and God. Like, it, everything yeah. about it is due diligence, makeup, British, here we go. Prime right. Minister. And that's... You know. I find that a little bit disappointing. It is disappointing. Because, like, when you look at... I mean, Meryl Streep is damn good in The Post. She's marvelous. She's fantastic in that movie. Yeah. You know? And and honestly, she makes that movie because... I I don't think... I agree. Hanks and Spielberg are legends. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to go down as a highlight for either. So where's that... Let's let's real quick rank theirs. I have to put Saving Private Ryan at the top. For Spielberg? Spielberg and Hanks. They're collaborations. Oh, they're collaborations. Then I go Catch Me If You Can. Then, um... uh, Terminal? Terminal, probably, and then The Post. Okay. Is there another one? Is there another one? That's a long drop-off after Catch Me If You Can, quite honestly. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. is like, I actually like The Post. Wait, 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 wait. Is there Um, another one? Just real quick, and... Because I don't know everything about movie history. Um, Tyler, maybe you know this. Who played Indiana Jones? Was that Hanks? Hmm? Was that Hanks, Indiana Jones? You think of River Phoenix. Oh, okay. I That's get it. them mixed up all yeah. the time. Yeah. Okay. River Phoenix was supposed to be in the post. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh. Scheduling. Scheduling. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. They, this has been on the books for a while. Exactly. And poor River Phoenix went to the Viper Room. <laughs> um, but, uh, and this thing is, I actually like the post quite a bit, but I, it is not for Tom Hanks' performance. Right, like yeah, I've we've seen there's an Oscar-winning performance of Ben Bradley out there, yeah, and it's Jason Robards, and he's not growl, uh, growly and grumbly and all that. Like no. he's he's crotchety, uh-huh. but that's yeah. not the same. It's a marvelous yeah. performance, and, um, yeah, but yeah, but undoubtedly, yes. I mean, Meryl Streep makes that film. I think it's she well makes written. it in yeah. her scenes. Oh, no question, especially toward the end, the second half. Man, she has some just yeah. like. Killer scenes, and that's the thing is she's she's an actress that we not unlike Daniel Day Lewis, honestly, uh, we all know she's good, uh-huh. mm. we all know she's great, uh-huh. and there's like okay yeah I'll go see this movie that she's in, and they're like oh yeah I forgot she's a fucking genius yeah and she can she still can surprise me like that moment uh, it's the moment I've talked about before I talked about it when we did our top ten the moment when she decides let's do it let's publish. 
is some be- some beautiful acting. It's very in the moment. It's everything that movie needs it to be. Yep. And it still surprised me somehow. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. how do we get on this? Oh, and that's the thing is like. Can you imagine how exciting it would have been? I wasn't at the time a huge fan of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but can you imagine? Oh, I was a huge fan of it. I would have been if he thrilled. had won for that My small, goodness. subtle, but like just roiling with emotion. That's all very underneath the yeah. that's deep underneath the surface. Like if he had won for that, that would be so exciting because that's the Gary Oldman we know. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong; he can be really big and over the top as well, mm-hmm. but like. It's like he really had he had to play Winston Churchill and be under ten pounds of makeup to win an Oscar. Come on, and, and like, give. And it, I, mean, I think it if they it. give yeah. him an Oscar for standing up under all that makeup, that's, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. It's it. Yeah, I feel like it's although he's able to dance. We saw some dancing. Remember? Yes, oh, behind the, scenes, we were yes. At, the, yeah. at that fun little thing. It was like, oh, he's dancing. Okay. Who forget that he said stuff about the Jews. <laughs> so let's let's turn the tables and try to be positive then. Is okay. there somebody who won tonight that we can say okay, this is their sort of that moment that we wanted them to win for. It's it's sort of going to be, you know, one of their pinnacles or one of their one of their peaks, one of their high points. I think you could say that even though I think maybe I like the movie most out of the three of us, and none of us love it. But yeah. Sam Rockwell is quite good in. I think he is. When you say you it. love it the most out of the three of us, you like it. I do. <laughs> yeah, the thing I do like. Yeah. And Tyler yeah. and I, I like it more than you do. You hate it. I I think Sam Rockwell is very good. I, I, think I have he's the lots best of thing problems it. with yes. it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and like. I feel like he had the hardest job of any of the winners uh, Uh because he had to take all these disparate elements of this character that is just kind of a mess on the page and bring it together and take these elements and actually just turn them into, yeah, people are contradictory sometimes. Uh And like crafted, I think, an actual character and made a guy who's pretty dumb, but I still find interesting, which is rare. Um, yeah, interesting, and you might end up having just a sliver more empathy for him than you than you think you're going to maybe 20 minutes into the movie. It, it's funny. People always have this, you know, sometimes they bring this up around Oscar season, is that we're, we're rewarding people for their performance in good movies. What we should be rewarding, or at least recognize sometimes, is uh, people doing a good performance uh, in a bad film, people overcoming... Uh-huh, um, yeah shortcomings in the script and i think you know with um uh sam rockwell we definitely have that and if that sounds like a backhanded compliment to three billboards i assure you (laughs) i am not complimenting that movie yeah but he and his and i i liked his speech as well talking about his that's the thing three billboards worst movie uh not of the oscars but maybe this year and perhaps of all time uh (laughs) but uh Two of the best speeches of the night. Sure. Yeah. Francis McDormand a little. Uh, it's just like, part of me is like, I don't know She's what to expect She's won before, you. and she, she was yeah. I want to talk about the similarities between those two speeches in a minute. But first, back to Rockwell. That moment, like, it's like the first speech of the night. Yeah. Honestly, the two supporting actor, actor and actress performances uh, were my fa- two favorite speeches. 
And I was really, really pulling for Lori Metcalf. Yeah. Um, but Alice and Janney going up there and saying, I did it all myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I even though yeah, I was I was rooting for Metcalf over her. Yeah. Um But I forgot that like I do and, and I'm as you both know, I'm not a huge fan of Itanya. Yeah, and I'm um, a big fan. It's like my number, I think, eleven or twelve. But I do like her performance. Yeah. And I like her as an actress, and I always have. Yes. You love the jackal. I love the jackal. I like the scene she's in in uh, the new Miracle on 34th Street when she was in primary colors and she fell in a stairwell. I like that. Yeah, but so, that's okay, right. In terms of her film work, this could be a high point. Oh, no question. It's an excellent character, excellently yeah. performed. Yeah. I mean, she's, it's so interesting that like supporting actresses really between two TV actresses. Yeah. Um, who well, I mean, honestly, film. a stage act- actress and a TV actress. Lori Metcalf yes. is much more a stage actress than even a TV. But if people know her for anything. Yeah, and you're right. It's, worth noting it's that from we, Scream 2, obviously. Obviously, yes, is Billy M- Loomis's mother. Spoilers. That's right. Um, but... Uh, but it's worth noting that, like, during the ceremony, there was an ad for the new Roseanne, and there she is. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I guess yeah. I guess she's back. She, <laughs> Her role in Lady Bird was just an advertisement for the, the Roseanne <laughs> right. reboot. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, okay, so you wanted to talk about the the speeches, right, with uh, yeah. the similarity between, what was it, Rockwell and McDormand? No, the similarity between Frances McDormand's speech tonight mm-hmm. and her speech after she won for Fargo. Oh, okay. So I maybe a couple of weeks ago I was just looking through you know clips on YouTube, and I, I think I had watched an inter- interview with McDonough or maybe uh, him and Frances McDormand, and so I looked up her winning speech for Fargo. And she said, you know, this is back in, so 1997 is the ceremony. So we are 21 21 years ago. ago. She gets up and she basically thanks the Coen brothers for writing this this part for her. And she says, like, maybe, you know, I I hope that this will get studio executives and writers to consider the fact that female stars are bankable Mm -hmm. and write parts for us because we... Like and she, you know, talks about all the other actresses in her category and just says like, we have lots and lots of depth and we can play these amazing characters. So write them for us. Yeah. And I, I mean, that speech goes hand in hand with her speech tonight. Yeah. Basically, that like she has everybody stand up and say like, okay, we it. I at first I was like I'm really not sure about this. Talk yeah. about self-congratulatory, but her purpose in doing it at least was to say we have work that we want to do. We have things yes. that we want to do and stories we want to tell and now is a time for us to be able to tell them. So, let's put some money toward that, which is yeah. exactly what she said 21 years ago. Except I think there's more of a sense of like she says we'll come to your offices or you'll come to ours. Maybe yeah. there's a sense um after 21 years there's not there's no more time for asking. It's yeah. now now you're demanding it cuz it's been right. 21 friggin' years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although, and it does, in a way, it does kind of make me sad that Lady Bird got nothing. <laughs> that it did I not know. get director yeah. or it's screenplay, like, or anything. I mean. Yeah. I, I know. That's why I was, I was hoping it would get screenplay. Yeah, even no, though, I mean. Get Out was so good. And also, how awesome I don't know that I think it? the writing in Get Out is, I think, is its strong point. Except oh for the, God. except for the one scene. 
What one scene? Um, Every the, scene. The sunken place scene. Oh, the the hypno- first the one? The hypnosis scene. scene. Yeah, it is yeah. really That's effective. That's a great... I think both the, the writing and the acting uh, really sell that, really make yeah. that film a masterpiece. And also, the fact that, you know, Jordan Peele, you know, was on a show on Comedy Central yeah. a year ago or yeah. two years yeah. ago or he something. He started on Mad TV. Yeah, the fact that <laughs> I could have, you know, bought a Radiohead album and then go home and watch Mad TV. I'm assuming this record store open, is open very late. Um, and then think like, oh, Johnny Greenwood and Jordan Peele are nominated and one wins for an Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's wonderful. Not for the that's rest of the guys. In, that is not, not for the rest of the guys in Radiohead. What you've just said has Greenwood's. nothing to do with the quality of the writing, though. That's a total optics. It's, it's thing. just. It's but it's nice. It is <laughs> sure it's nice. Well, I, I can't hey, have something nice, but it's also just. I wish Daniel Kaluuya would have won. I, he was and Man. his he's, performance he's is so amazing fantastic and fantastic. Yes, in that movie. but it's also it, it's the point of. Don't box people in. Don't underestimate people because a lot of people and and like I remember listening to um, Jordan Peele's interview on the the Q&A podcast and he Mm -hmm. talked about some of his representation were skeptical of this and some people left uh, his, you know, stopped representing him Mm because he was not going to, you know, he wasn't going to, he said he's not going to act anymore or, you know, he's just not really into acting anymore. Like this is what he wants to do direct and right and people and and not not a film that is primarily a comedy um right and and that's such a huge leap that's such a and and you think like oh he'd start directing uh maybe some tv first or maybe a music video or something it's like no he started he Mm -hmm. directed and and it can never be said enough this is an actor whose directorial debut, he does not act in at all, except he says he has a voiceover at one point. Right. But how rare is that? Same with Greta Gerwig. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So it's not that and, rare. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put these two films against each other, but I think her ear for, for, for dialogue yeah, is it's, stronger. It's so so that, I guess that's where, I'm, that's where I'm getting the, like, I wish she would have won because I, think, I thought her writing was, was so strong. I think there are such different types of screenplays yeah. as well. No, they're like the it's, same it's, type of screenplay. I'm just kidding. I guess we're interpreting them differently. Um, they're both horror movies. They're both Women, am I right? <laughs> That's the point. Mothers, am I right? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, back to that poor Tracy Letts. Um, Doritos. Um, but no, it's... Uh, and yeah, and like... I think I think it can be argued that like from a dialogue standpoint, like Get Out is maybe a bit broad, but I think the story beats are. I think it's such there's such an audacity to it, and I find it so inherently watchable. Like uh-huh. I liked Get Out more than Lady Bird, even hmm. though Lady Bird might officially be a better script, and I think it it's so much more nuanced, and in many ways, it's so much more my kind of thing than Get Out. Yeah. Um, but I think honestly my expectation for Lady Bird was higher than it likely should have been. By the time I saw it, it was pumped up so high that I saw it and I was like, a lot of these scenes are amazing and these performances are great. Uh, But for some reason it just didn't hit me as much as I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. Whereas Get Out, by the time I saw it, everyone was hyping it so much that I had talked myself down and been like, surely, surely it can't be that good. So the problem is, the problem is you. Yes. (laughs) But like, you know, Get Out is a, 
Swiss watch, a perfectly constructed Swiss watch of a film where you can't okay. imagine uh, the in terms of the screenplay, yeah. in terms of the structure of that screenplay. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's beautiful. The I'd way say the last fifteen minutes need some work. I do. Uh, I might agree with that actually. Whereas with Lady Bird, like like there's like there's like a three hour version. I could totally see that in the fact that it it explores a world that's so lived in. I mean, it's, uh-huh. she grew up in Sacramento. It's her life. That I can see that. I almost sort of want to see that three hour version where you can see. Oh, I want to see more of that uh, priest character. I want to see more yeah, of that. Sure. Uh, you can see you're just getting bits and pieces of a larger whole. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Uh, Get Out, you're just it's a it's a shark just swimming in the water, hitting its target, which I hope is not a person. <laughs> I hope a shark is not eating a person. I hope it's a seal. So the movie may or may not be eating a person. Is it's now definitely a shark. It's okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I hope I'm not it's sounding like maybe I don't the shark. Like listen, maybe the shark is going to hit its target, which are its friends, the other sharks. How about that? I, but I it's don't still know. a shark. You think of a shark in the water. Like a I'm not even sure there's a metaphor here. <laughs> you don't think of like a shark swimming <laughs> through the water. Just no, zoom. I know what a shark is. I'm just saying in this sentence structure, <laughs> that I don't know moves. what the shark is. Is the shark no, the, the, shark, the film's momentum. Uh, okay. I could see that. There's kind yeah. of a relentless pace to sure. it. Sure, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's weird. I uh, Look, obviously, Jason, you're not a big fan of Get Out. Racist. <laughs> I, I, I like I'm, I don't I like love it. Lady Bird. Sexist. Right. I like movies about white men. Uh-huh. Phantom Thread, favorite <laughs> film of the year. I would say that is more about Vicky Creeps than I agree. Than, than, uh, um, that's true. And Liz really is so damn good. She's great. Yeah. Um yeah. But they picked uh, the best clip for Leslie oh, no Manville. Oh yeah. No question. And they kind of picked uh kind of a perfect sort of clip for him where just he like, just looks like a child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just like, it should be, that term should be spanked or whatever, spanked in public. <laughs> or and, whoever and the, came up with the word should be spanked. The word should be hung and drawn that's in right. the city square. Man, that's but you can't do that to a word. It's just letters. And he ends up, he ends the scene by saying, because it made me feel bad. Yeah. It hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh Man, that's a fascinating film that like his character is yeah. so strong yet so weak yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um but uh okay, so sorry, sorry. uh we do need to to move on, but uh, I'm trying to think if there's All right, any so we've hit some screenplays. Yeah. Like it's it's really okay, we can talk about um we can talk about Dear Basketball, the short I wanted winner. Kobe Bryant to dunk BB8 <laughs> and then oh. go to prison for rape. I <laughs> That's one of the aspects I'm so curious about. Yeah, time's up unless uh, you unless got some world NBA, championship rings, right? Unless you're NBA superstar Kobe Bryant, then will your hey first shot at doing a movie? Ex- yeah, I am unfamiliar. I know that Kobe Bryant is a sports figure. Is all I. He's got. a sportsman. He's a sp- he's, yeah. <laughs> he's a yeah. good sport. He's I'd a good sport, that. especially about rape. He's <laughs> well, great. He's at a it. he's a good sport about settling. Uh, Out of court. Yes. Is that yeah. the situation that he was yeah. accused of yeah. something? Okay. All right. And so you just kind of think like, yes, it's it's in the past, maybe a decade ago. Oh, I think ish. Maybe okay. It was like than- my freshman year of college. I remember that. Oh, so no. it's oh your freshman year. Okay, I got you. I was gonna say, wait, he didn't go to college. Um, <laughs> no. So so yeah, it's well over a decade ago. 
Um, Ian is very old. I'm the only young person on this podcast That's right now. Um, so, it, you know, it's a, it's a while ago, but a lot of these things we've been hearing about this past year are from a while ago. And we're saying like, hey, that's it. Even though it's in the past, it's not okay. It doesn't get to just be okay. And this is a movie that Kobe Bryant wrote about Kobe Bryant, <laughs> narrated by, wait for it, Kobe Bryant. Oh, man. Like, and I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball. I'm actually, I'm a Kobe Bryant basketball player fan. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a little bit like Michael Jordan in the way that he stayed with one team for the majority of his career. Kobe, all of his career. Jordan played for the Wizards that he bought, you know, for a while. Anyway, also his again, baseball career. Also his baseball he's, career. He's like Michael Jordan in the fact that he's a great player, but also and, a terrible and also, human being. Right, but, but also has a very strong eye for business. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and all of that. So Because what says business than animated shorts? <laughs> right. No, no, no. But <laughs> Gotta go where the money is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, this is the toe being dipped in. This is just sure. the toe. Oh, we're getting a feature? I'm sure we will. I think he's got he's got some business plans. I say the animated short should have gone to the Basketball Jones uh, animation that was sure. in California Split. There you go. and Chong's. <laughs> George Harrison's best one. That's a deep I cut. Say. That is a anyway. Deep so there's cut. just like yeah, I think you you I think you said it, Ian, at the uh, while we were watching. Like finally, Kobe <laughs> Bryant gets an award. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it, come it's, on. It's sort of like if if he played for any other city. Than L.A. Oh, you know he's not he's not even in this conversation now. Okay, there is. Okay, I know nothing about Kobe Bryant, but there I do know who Glenn Keane is, who was the the guy that he was there with. I don't know if he's officially the director or. I guess the, they're both directors. Are they okay? Because yeah. Glenn Keane is like a, a and pretty well a very well respected animator uh, for for Disney, correct or was like. He had been he's been around for decades and decades. So like yeah. I don't know who votes for animated film, mm-hmm. uh, animated short. Right. But I know that Glenn Keane, like that's a name that I have seen on like old yeah. '60s and '70s Disney posters and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I don't know if he's like head of animation. Yeah. So like it, who knows? It could be something like that. And uh, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't rotoscoped, but it it almost kind of looks like it is. Okay. This is the most attention a short, like a documented yeah. or a, a short animated film has gotten. Understandably so, yeah. given the odd circumstances. Yeah. So it just, it's it's that sort of thing that it's like, there are always these little pockets yeah. where it seems like the rules still don't apply. Blizzard, Gary Oldman is, yeah. there's a lot of I'm not really familiar accusa- with those. Accusations. Okay. They said some really boneheaded things in the past. Also said that it's not a big deal to win a Golden Globe. Then he won a Golden Globe. Um, <laughs> so it tells you where they're at. They just they are, they, oh. please like us. That's ultimately what the yeah. Golden Globes are. Here's my Gary Oldman story, by the way. I, I, I mentioned this like, oh, did I tell you my Gary Oldman story? And then they were on to three other awards. Yes. So I am working the booth um at uh, a big at a not a comic con like an rpg con for games workshops role-playing stuff. game yeah. is what that tabletop role-playing game with little mentors and i see a dude come up to the table and then quickly go away that kind of looked like gary oldman i says to myself and then 
Later, a young ragamuffin, young fellow, comes up uh, to, to buy something, and he's got a Heath Ledger Joker hat, like a baseball cap with the picture of Heath Ledger Jokers on it. And I'm like, where'd you get that hat? It's an awesome hat. He says, oh, they gave it to us because my dad played Commissioner Gordon. And I'm like, that dude who looked like Gary Oldman was Gary Oldman. Later, here that's not the thing. Gary Oldman showed up to a... He likes Warhammer, or his kid does. Here's the thing. Later on, I'm in line at the concessions because I want my $8 hot dog. It is my reward for standing there um, working working the booth. And I hear two fellows ahead of me. And this guy says, you know who I saw on the convention floor was the actor who played Commissioner Gordon, the Dark Knight. Dark Knight had just come out at this uh-huh. point. I believe his name is, and he said this with all the confidence in the world. <laughs> I believe it was Jeremy Irons. Is what, <laughs> and he said, I almost, I almost threw him into a, a wall, which I hope would throw that wall would throw him into another wall. Because <laughs> I was like, he with all the. Could, you could he was unshakable in his belief <laughs> that not only it's not like he just saw Gary Oldman on the screen, he saw Gary right. Oldman in life right. and thought it was Jeremy Irons. Who Clearly, would actually then go on to play, to play Alfred. Alfred. Exactly. Alfred. So he was just ahead of his time and a bit exactly. mistaken. Yeah. Different father figure for right. Batman there. They don't look they're both English. Yeah. They don't look yeah. alike. It is odd. I'll say this. It's odd that if you know the name Jeremy Irons, <laughs> yeah, that Gary Oldman, not, not, it's just, not in your head there. Oh, my God. Unless, Unless he was just, just mistaking the two. Yes. Yes. He can only really remember one British actor at a time. He could have said Oh, he's Michael got King. that disease. Yeah, <laughs> right. I about yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot at conventions. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I'm trying to think, like, what else there might be to... Okay. So... Uh, there is a chum. There was something nice about there was a chumminess. I think between the what I want. I guess want to call the new generation of. We saw Greta Gerwig say, "I love him." When Guillermo del Toro yeah. is up on stage, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's love between you know all the 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 young folk. Jordan Peele, Camille Nanjiani, like Camille oh, Nanjiani, like, of course, is great. a uh, goofy looking Jean Dujardin. There we go. Yes, you Which, said that during the uh, during the thing, and uh, you, and you've, he na- you've nailed it. He couldn't have been more perfectly looking like him too. Yeah, in that moment, he was like in the tux. He's got an eyebrow cocked. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. He's hilarious. I like Camille everything, Nanjiani quite yeah, a bit. Everything he did tonight was fantastic. Yeah. He, I will say, he made that montage of wokeness that they did later on right he yeah. made it bearable because yes. that is where the self-congratulatory oh. and self-laceration yeah. met yes um and his presence just him saying like don't do it just because it's it's good just do it because it'll make you money like yeah, him make you him it's is he almost like single-handedly made it bearable it's why it is why comedy is so important it's why comedians being a part of the ceremony yeah. is so important because yes. if you don't have that the egos get so big yeah and the self-congratulatory self-congratulation gets so overwrought that it is just dripping down the walls and right. it becomes 
almost ins- completely insufferable. So and if you have him, it just you just need someone to poke a hole in it every once in a while. But he also made the point better and more humorously than anybody else did when he said, look, I've been watching movies made by white directors about white people all my life and identifying with it. Now you have to do the opposite. It's not that hard. Yeah. Like, it's not a big deal. I've been doing it all my life. And in putting it that way, I like that he, okay. He's speaking to something universal. Exactly. He's not, he's not like denigrating. He's not saying like, he's like, we don't want those anymore. He he said, they're some of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. But now there's this other thing and that can also be fun and great. And he's absolutely right. And I think it's, yeah, like there's just something about like, if you get like a well-spoken, funny, charismatic comedian, like he could, uh, somebody mentioned that he, uh, I think one or two years ago hosted or co-hosted the, uh, Indie Spirit 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 with Kate McKinnon. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think he could host the Oscars. No problem. I'd it's, love to see that. It's a big room. I'm not sure if he could absolutely like, they hold did that the meltdown but I think he could do it. for the meltdown for years. And you've, we've seen that room. I've, <laughs> I know a certain room. podcast that <laughs> held sway over that room. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Sure. Um, six times. Six. Yeah. I was going to listen thrice times two. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, we. Thrice happened twice. That's we, right. There we go. Twice we owned- the thrice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I have to do this. I, in, in eighth grade, we had to write poems and uh, I didn't know what poem to write about. So I decided to write about Nev Campbell from the Scream movies. <laughs> Okay. And Scream 3 hadn't come out yet. That was my freshman year. Sure. Uh, and so I, my poem was like, uh, Nev Campbell, twice is nice, but thrice is spice. Because I didn't know what else to rhyme with. Let's roll the dice. <laughs> I, I didn't get that far. Cool as ice. <laughs> and so uh, then the teacher, Mr. Uh, I don't think it was Mr. Jones. I can't remember. Um he no, agreed. Mr. Jones was looking at the beautiful women. That's right. <laughs> and me. He, he, yeah. wanted to be, he wanted to be a big star. Yeah. Um, the teacher said, like, okay, I'm going to read the poems. And then I was went up to him and said, like, hey, don't. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want you to read my <laughs> poem. I was not proud of this piece <laughs> of shit. I was like, I don't want to know what the fuck to write about. I can't write poetry. And so all of a sudden he starts reading my poem and says, thrice is spice. And from the back of the room, I just go, no, I said not to. <laughs> and he goes, he, instead of like apologizing, he just goes, well, now everybody knows who wrote it. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. Jones. <laughs> anyway, so uh, your thrice <laughs> yes. usage has reminded me of that. I Listen, anytime I can pay homage to one of my favorite <laughs> poets. <laughs> um. What was I going to say? We were talking about, uh, I'm glad you you mentioned it. I called it just the inclusion montage, which was yeah, sure, nearly sure. insufferable except for Camille. Yeah, it's just, and so, look, I don't, I don't want to get, like, overly political. The Oscars are, have gotten increasingly political in the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 are they, years. Or are they, are they always kind of, there's always I, that sense of... I mean, I've been watching them my whole life, and I don't remember them being this like hmm. what they have been the last I'd say 10 years um, like there'd be little tips here and there but mm-hmm. like for the most yeah. part like 
just I don't know. It's it's maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's just that Although I'm more aware. I do feel like politics and art, like it's all just mashed up into just media. It feels like sure. Like it's just mm. it's just like I don't know. Just everything, just bullshit you talk about on Twitter. Like it's all just yeah. Like it's all just it's all in that uh, big yeah. dish, and we're all just turning it around. Uh, that's probably true at this point, uh, which is I'd say not a great thing. Um, yeah. I forget who said this. I made a note of it, but somebody. There's movies. nothing to there, fear. <laughs> movies. They're an illusion. That was Matthew <laughs> McConaughey true. said that. <laughs> By the way, do you want me to quote the rest of the speech? I can't because Tyler was laughing over the I rest think, of it. I think that was the biggest laugh of the night. Oh, it yeah. Just, it was just so. It sounded like a guy who's had it. He just like I get what he's saying. He's saying he's coming out. It's like it's like movies are an illusion created, by, an illusion of continuity and story like b- brought together by the editor. That's what he's saying. Right. What he said was movies. They're an illusion. Yeah. There is no Santa Claus. <laughs> like just like really just just taking it all apart. Oh, time is me. a flat circle. <laughs> um but uh I did enjoy uh, the ins- re- real quick a joke that I liked was uh, when Jimmy Kimmel was talking about like all the different people that made history. He goes, if you're a nominee that did not make history, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. Um, but somebody, I forget who said it, but they said like you know, it might it might have been him who said you know you have a you have a platform to talk about equal rights or this or this or this. Uh-huh. And I try not to think. First, with my politics, that's my whole political, uh, my whole Politico article. Right. Um, but in that moment, I had this thought. It's like, yeah, what if somebody decided to use this platform? Let's say Gary Oldman, for example, whose politics run a little bit to the right. What if he is that the, true? I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what if in the midst of his pro-America speech? Which he's talking about how good yeah. it was to him, which is a thing that like Anthony Hopkins has said. Like mm-hmm. a lot of Brit actors who have come Peter over O'Toole. here. Like, what was that? Peter O'Toole when he won his lifetime. lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, let's say he says that and then starts going a certain way with it. I can't think what it would be, but like maybe he gets vaguely pro-Trump. Or I came like here that. because the taxes in England are bloody horrible. Yeah. You know, what it's if like, he does that? The National Health Service? No, thank you. Yeah. Um, More like the National Elf Service. It's a little elf <laughs> that I won't kick. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a spot on Gary Oldman. Um, that was Fred. Hey, Fred. Fred Hitchcock. <laughs> Fred Hitchcock's still alive, by the way. Alfred's oh, dead. No question. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if he had started going that way, now I don't think people would necessarily have booed him. It's Gary Oldman. They were very right. happy. No, that they he saw got, yeah, true you know, romance or word he could kill exactly. him. <laughs> That's, that is true. It's like, he's going to suck my blood. Um, that's a reference of Fifth Element, obviously. Um, I saw things in that film that other people exactly, did Exactly, yeah. But I did, it's one of those things that, like, it's, it reminds me of an old joke. I think um, uh, Steve Martin, when he was the host, he talked about, like, he goes, he goes, there's all kinds of people here tonight. You know, there's, there's you know, old and young you know, it goes, it doesn't matter if you're old or young, thin or skinny or, and it's like, okay, there's a joke there. He goes, he goes, Democrat or skinny. And just like, <laughs> and it just speaks to the, like the, the, it's very obvious that like everybody in that room leans a certain way. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's that kind of thing. It's like, you have a platform. It's like, 
do you like you have a platform if you want to say a very specific type of thing right otherwise you're not welcome what i just said might be an overstatement you are welcome but you need to have earned that like gary oldman has uh-huh. but like if you're a younger person or something like that it just it's a thing that i'm aware of in that yeah. moment and it's it's nothing it was a nothing moment that he's it was a nothing comment that he said there like and maybe not nothing but like it was something that was just kind of breezed over uh-huh. and it was it's i almost feel silly for like latching on to it but it's it's this thing that like i'm keenly aware of that like it is it speaks to the looseness of last year that like and i think that's that might be one of the moments that i felt like boy i guess he feel Honestly, it was set, it was all setting up the jet ski. Exactly. Yes. yes. So there's so that, okay. but it felt like it felt like he had to, he felt like he had to say it. Like sure. he had to sort of give permission and make sure everybody knew yeah. that everybody can say yeah. whatever they want to say. Yeah. And admittedly, he was also being some. He was also saying something serious, so right. that it would be more effective when he said the joke in a exactly. moment. And it was yeah. a very good joke. Um, but yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what I'm trying to say. It's more just that like. I don't know. Maybe because because of this damn article that I've been writing for listeners, just to peek behind the curtain, they emailed me about writing that article in mid January. <laughs> so like we've been going back and forth and back and forth, like with uh, rewrites your and rate. stuff. Right. Was that? <laughs> yeah. Over how much they'll pay you? <laughs> right. Uh, the rate ultimately was you're you're gonna pay me. <laughs> that was the uh, debate. Uh, that was the uh, negotiation. Uh, so we went back and forth. So I and I've been. I've Tyler tried to needs s- to get some of those uh, Jordan Peele uh, <laughs> slough-offs. They need to become his agent. Oh, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I've been trying to avoid politics for the most part, but because of this article, I've really been steering right into it. So I, it's hard for me to get it out of my mind. And even though I've been trying to be a bit more conciliatory in my politics, like moments like that just seemed like, Yes, yes. I know what you think you're saying. You uh-huh. think you, you're saying that we should all feel free to say what we want to say. But when it comes right down to it, you don't want people to say you probably don't want people to say something that you're not comfortable with. Right. Which is probably me reaching and me being over. Also, I don't I think a lot of things in Oscars um, that occur in speeches and stuff can get can be seen as political. But I think it's more just more social in the fact that sure. for example i think a lot a lot of a lot of the sentiments were about the being creative and how being creative is often you know it's a fish it's a chicken and the egg thing where are you an outcast and then you feel creative or are you creative and then yeah you feel like an out like that's that's a big thing of feeling like this is a place where you're welcome mm-hmm. um I can see a lot of people look at that as political. I know a lot of people look at shape of the shape of water, shape of the water. I'm fucking 80 years old <laughs> shape of water as a political thing because it brings a lot of marginalized people together. But I think I don't think it's thought of in those terms. I think because I, I can't think of like what political ends it would it would meet. Like, would it come down to voting for this person or, or wanting this type of legislation as much as it feeling, just feeling like outsiders wanting to come. And I think that's what show business is ultimately. I think that's the sure. lot of Los Angeles is ultimately. And well, and when you they, think about so many stories, it's sort of one special person or one person with a unique perspective kind of 
going for what they want against all odds. Yeah. yeah. I mean that, that you know it's kind of just a classic Hollywood trope. Yeah. And the idea and of like this a classic literary trope. And this like makeshift family. Like yeah. Yeah. these people that even though Octavia Spencer's character is married, like she's married to somebody who kind of is just willing to go along with things and she's not. And so you get these these various people who have been kind of kicked to the side yeah. by society and they find each other and like they put this little ragtag group together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like I definitely can understand why somebody would be frustrated, especially like to me, what makes it more overtly political is Michael Shannon's character and what they give him to say. That's true. I don't, um, I don't think. Yes. As opposed to. But I don't think the um, I don't know. I it's it's it's. If you want to say it's a political choice to to be so diverse and inclusionary in your story choices as Del Toro was in that film, that's fine. But I think that's almost a, a narrower, a more narrow view of things. Not that anyone here is saying that, but I've seen people say that. That's a more narrow view yeah. of of the film, and I think a lot of the thing, you know, like. People people can make political hay at a lot of things. Oh yes, um, mm-hmm. and I think there's a frankly I do see a lot of resentment on the conservative side of not being. And I'm like, I don't know how much how much of those resentments are well placed. As much as as it's just people just saying like I want to be heard, I want to be seen, I want my stories right. told, and, and I don't yeah. think that that honestly I don't feel. I feel that becomes political, but I feel it comes from a much deeper place. And I think along it those originates. Lines, it's not. It doesn't originate as a political thing. No, it doesn't. And it's unfortunate that it that it yeah, is that yeah. it becomes that. Yeah. Um, and I will say that like um, the idea of like I want my story heard. Yeah. Well, I have way more demographically. I have way more in common with Michael Shannon than I do any of those other characters. My story wasn't heard in that film. Now, of course I'm a white guy. I'm a conservative guy. So who gives a fuck what I have to say? Sorry. That sounds that who poor me, right? I'm going to be fine, but it's more that that's the issue is that like Hollywood appears to see to be. And certainly when the Oscars come around, like we're all very happy to tell these stories about Mm. everybody, except it would appear a large section of the country. Like if you hear anybody quote scripture, I remember Michael Shannon quotes it pretty liberally. Uh, I should say a wrinkle in time is coming out. A Bible quote is a big part of the climax at the end of it. I know I've got, I've got one of my more than one lesson writers seeing it. Don't worry. Oh, Um, see, I, I am not familiar with a wrinkle in time. There's whatsoever. There's, there's a mad. What's her name? The writer of it, Madeline Langle. I don't recall. She, I mean, she was uh, active Episcopalian, and she, hmm. yeah, she. I mean, her big thing was bringing religion and science kind of together. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and that's a big part of that. Story. Gotcha. Um, so like, and I feel I, I feel so shitty saying this, but when it comes right down to it, it's it's ultimately like if if I'm going to be portrayed, I'm a villain. Like. I think I think somebody that there's so many somebody who's right leaning, somebody who is a Christian, somebody who's white, somebody who's male. Nine I times out of ten in film, he is a villain, if, or he needs if, to learn a valuable those, lesson. If those aspects are noted on, but a lot of times it's just a, a person, or just another role. It's just because yes. that's that's such a demographic um, is so well represented. It can um, it can be anything. You know, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can say you're Michael Shannon. You can also say you're Matt Damon in all of his friggin' movies. Um, but Matt Damon isn't. I Mark guess he's Wal- not. Look at Mark Wahlberg, like Mark Wahlberg in all of his movies. Uh huh. You know, it could be that. Except, yeah. I think one thing not is not not to forget is <laughs> let's be honest. Hollywood is a lot of white dudes who felt like outsiders and then created a place. Oh, so yes. other white dudes who feel like outsiders based on the smallest, maybe slights or uh, odd feelings can, can create their own place and not include as many uh, other types of people as they maybe should have. Uh, I think that's a lot of what Hollywood is. Um, but okay. I was a bit more negative in that than I wanted to be, <laughs> but I think it's, it's it in the fact that that outsider feeling mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is a lot more, prevalent and kind of goes beyond um uh whatever sexuality skin skin color whatever except those other aspects add to it because of the way society is but i remember how much you were talking about how the song from greatest showman this is me yeah uh, spoke to you and i think listen you see the success of that film it's it's spoken to a lot of people yeah um so obviously that feeling is always there the weird thing is whether we're talking about this whether it's people of color feeling marginalized whether it's conservatives feeling uh attacked is we have all these movies and then everyone feels the the movies are about the other person and and it's like well if all these movies are obviously about somebody um yeah and but we're just constant we just want to concentrate on it we we notice the the lack more than we notice the um, whatever is the opposite of lack. Then 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 I guess the representation. I guess that's the that's the mm. weird downside of representation is once it happens in full, you you can take it for granted. And there. I think that's the I think that's the thing is that I like what I'm saying. Like let's let's go shape of water. Like the Michael Shannon thing is not what kept me from loving it. You know, um, I personally think without going into spoilers, I personally think that his eventual end, I think it actually would have been more effective if it had been different and it had been and it had involved more directly Nick Cersei. But that's me, Um, because then it speaks to the idea that now that it's not necessarily this guy. It's the system that is kind of screwing. And I like that. I like that, that he had a a boss. I do, too. Yeah. And I thought that was like really effective. And I thought that was like some really interesting uh, writing. But um, so real quick, that's one of the things that I love about the movie, because there's that scene in Michael Shannon's office where he basically he says after he's let them go or they've escaped. Yeah. And he says, like, if a man does exactly what he's supposed to his entire life. Yeah. But one time he fails. Is that man a failure? Yeah. And the boss has no pity for him whatsoever. Yeah. And it's it's essentially him saying. Look, I recognize the rules that someone else had set up for me to play by. And I played by those rules yeah. as much as I could, but I am not infallible. And is the fact that I'm not infallible, is that going to keep me from any benefits of that system that I have given my life to? Yeah. And this guy is saying, yeah, it is. We will throw you out as quickly as, you know, regardless of all of your time here. And I think, and I wish that that I, I can understand wishing that that had generated some amount of change in him. Not even mm. necessarily change, but I would have liked that to come full circle to see that, like, 
rather than him become like event. Essentially what happens there is like, it's like, Oh fucking Darth Vader. He's the worst. Oh, the emperor just showed up. Uh And now there's like a, and either like Michael Shannon could make the choice to go against, or he gets completely swallowed up by that Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, our heroes. I guess I'm speaking pretty overtly now. Uh, so you know what? Sorry, everybody. Spoilers for the end of Shape of Water. Skip ahead. I don't know, thirty seconds or so. Um, you know, or like six episodes. We haven't. Rec- we're recording them all tonight. Exactly. Yeah, it's um, going to be a lot of shape talk. But like when uh, that's clever. That's like shop talk. That's <laughs> well done. Um, but like when Doug Jones kills him, our friend Doug. Yeah. I'm not talking about the character. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, no. There's on, a reason Michael Shannon wasn't at the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it I think it was since. I think it was in poor taste for Game of Thrones to include that. that <laughs> He's like, we're gonna be at really method here, folks. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. But like, so he he kills him, and part of me just thinks like, I think it would have been so much more interesting and more effective if they simply got away from Michael Shannon and he has to, I don't know how you would do it, but like he, like oddly enough, almost by getting killed by the fish man, I feel like he's actually being let off the hook. And then like the deeper punishment from his higher up and the idea that he has failed, like that's worse. For him to be a Except failure maybe personally if, and well, I just don't know how you how you incorporate. The idea it. is the creature or the asset is a healer and right. heals and heals people in other ways. Almost you can see like that's Jesus. him healing Michael Shannon's character, and there's hints of it already because he takes a bite out of him yeah. early on. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. Although also the fact that Michael Shannon's character just tortured the dude. The there is that. sure dude. yes. So it's it's one of those things. It's why I think I don't necessarily love the script. But that's the thing. No, so, I don't think the script even should be nominated for best. Again, my, it's, the, the, it's the least surprising, most surprising movie. I'm, I'm, glad, I am I, I'm glad it was so I got my points. But the point is, yes, what you're going to wow. say. Wow. Because I, I know we're just at odds on this. I think The Shape of Water is a better written film than Get Out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Such disgust. That's, but that's me. Um, so the point is, sorry, I, I, I have been, I want to, I want to throw in a couple of things real quick. So I think this is connected. It's connected in my brain. So forgive me if I, if it feels like I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but along these political lines, um, and as it relates to film, Mm -hmm. it can feel difficult for, I think conservative or even somebody like me who I feel like I'm very much in the middle yeah. and sort of get it from all sides. Um, but but I hear people talking, like when something like um, American Snipers nominated mm-hmm. or something like that, I hear people say, oh, that's just the steak eaters who are left in the academy. It is so dismissive that one, one sort of right-leaning, or last year with um, the Mel Gibson film, what was it? Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. It's like, oh, that's this stupid, out-of-touch wing of the Academy who should be let go. And it's like, wait, wait, that's one film yeah. that has gotten some nominations and that, that they nobody seem, thinks is going to win, by the way. Yeah, and that they seem to really like. All of a sudden, it's like, that should be dismissed. But at the same time, Hollywood is so predominantly liberal that then to kind of, for them to condemn 
conservative values even within their midst almost feels like conservatives are left going like, but wait, we're not within your midst. Like yeah. there's so few of us anyway, you're acting like we run your business and you have to fight against us. Yeah. It's all you guys. Yeah. So even the money guys. Yeah. Like what, what conservative pressure are Hollywood studio executives really butting up against? Unless I guess you want to say but, like people, like a, a middle America audience or a perceived middle America audience. First yeah. of all, so I guess I feel like that's where maybe some of the disconnect yeah. feels like it can be. First of all, you don't think Del Toro eats steaks? Look at, look at him. <laughs> look at him, man. I'm well, surprised he, he didn't take he two or rest. three in, during the ceremony. <laughs> I'm surprised that sub yeah, survived. I was going to say, it's, it was longer when they gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he didn't have like a deal with Miranda. It's like, listen. Apparently, vegan we, cheese is high in saturated we're fat. Gonna get, we're going to get out of here when everyone's distracted. <laughs> um, but um, it, we, we, say, we say this, but at the same time, yeah. why is we can, we can, this is the weird place where. Um, it, it, it to look at Hollywood politically, and this is where I guess you get the term like limousine liberal, um, or I, I just think just like white hypocritical liberal, uh-huh. where we say like, oh, Hollywood, it's all liberals, but why is Rachel Morrison the first female DP in right, 90 yeah. years? Why is uh, Jordan Peele the first uh, African-American to win best original screenplay? And I think not nominated, I don't know, but uh, certainly winner. And it's like, well... I think, and and the and honestly, like, it's a weird thing where you have people leave. You have people, the people, so many of the people it feels like who enter show business are people who leave their communities, more conservative closet communities, and then have to create entertainment for those communities for financial mm-hmm. reasons f- to 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 make money, and then just have the maybe perhaps the worst. Uh, view of those communities based on their mm-hmm. uh, yeah. personal experiences um, and then underestimate how much people of color or queer people or women they want to see. And then we just get into a weird, it almost feels like a weird self-fulfilling prophecy of the worst of liberalism and the worst of conservatism, just, just finding each other. And it's, I think one of the, one of the nice things about seeing Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig and uh-huh. Camille Namjiani and Namjiani and Emily Gordon and all those people at the awards, it feels like the best of, I don't want to even say political, just the best of storytelling from all, all worlds coming together. I think that's, that ultimately is, is a big thing for me is that it's why I wind up getting with getting into so many arguments or I used to, when I was on Facebook, uh, more often. <laughs> Facebook is off. Any, any, any argument on Facebook is bad. Yeah. Mine are, mine are really smart. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's the other always, people and they always who are foolish it. enough to argue with. That's what <laughs> yeah, I'm talking exactly. about. Um, but it's why I wind up getting in way more arguments with conservatives because when it, obviously I have my political convictions, but yeah, I usually feel a lot stronger about art than I do about politics. <laughs> sure. Of course, it's important. A lot of your back and forth with Politico was to call it Artico. Is, exactly. that, is that true? Yeah. It's like, okay, guys, look, hear me. I'll out. take half the money, but change your <laughs> website. I need you to change essentially everything about your brand if you can. At least for I mean, a week. Time for the Oscars. <laughs> um, but uh, and that's the thing is so like. 
Yeah, the, I am aware of certain people's like political issues with Shape of Water. I share them in certain ish, in certain ways, but that didn't keep me from like really engaging with Sally Hawkins' character and like finding her story to be like so beautiful and like uh-huh. connecting on that level. And and as I said, uh, you know, Get Out was one of my favorite, one of my ten favorite movies of last year, mm-hmm. and it had. I mean, there's it undoubtedly had a political. Uh, but I think one of the message. smartest things about Get Out is that it started with uh, a family of white liberals, and like you get Bradley Whitford yeah. saying in yeah. now yeah. his famous line, "They would have voted for Obama for a third term." Yeah. That is such such one of the the great things because, and one of the great things about Get Out is he doesn't leave the audience. I think specifically the the white audience doesn't let them off the hook. There's no white savior spoilers. Um, there's no, if, if, if you were expecting one, um, it's not, it would have been easy to make, uh, the father, some old fat Southern sheriff. Yeah. would be like, right. Oh, what do we have here? You know, it's, it's the fact that it's like, Oh, you know, it, that's sort of, that was sort of port, supposed to be the sheriff in a uh, Dukes of hazards. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, um, not as strong as your brother Martin, not as strong as your, as your Fred, but, uh, that was, that was a role Fred went out for. (laughs) He's trying to be an actor now. He's too old to direct, but he's kind of like, he's touched every point of Hollywood, every element. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, he had a stint as a gaffer for a while. Oh, fact, yeah, it would be an easy and and definitely self congratulatory if it, if it was. And I do feel like if if a if a white storyteller told that film, it would just be the the easy character oh, no of, of just like mm-hmm. white. The fact that it takes place in upstate New York, even though it was shot in Alabama, it was it takes place in yeah. upstate New York, and it was and it's and it's a, a a blue state family at least from appearances, first appearances yeah, yeah. is is one of the many many reasons why it's such a well-written film. <laughs> and, and I think the fact that like he is committed to having genuine laughs mm-hmm. and committed to like, like committed to like a batshit crazy concept. Mm-hmm. And I think he's like, okay, the better I realize this concept, albeit in a way that I think is a little bit broad, but it's, it, it's effective for me. Um, the better I do that, the more effective the message will be. And that's the difference between that and, like, in my instance, like, Christian films, which lead with the message first and foremost mm-hmm. and figure yeah. out, well, this is clearly the best way to do it. No, it seems counterintuitive, but the more you commit to the art, the more effective the politics will be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is actually one of the reasons that I think I'm more prone to side with art. It's why I wind up agreeing more with political liberals who are artistically minded than yeah. conservatives, even if. Politically, I agree with the conservative way more, but just like I'm going to defend these guys over here because they seem at least more willing to engage artistically with people. This is probably reductive, but one side is trying to express something, whereas another side can make the mistake of simply trying to tell something. Oh, no question. Yeah. And I I do feel, unfortunately, I think on a lot of it, it becomes so many of the political discussions just become... Uh, counting things where it's like we count like how many of these movies have troops in them? How many movies have them? Yeah. And it's like if, yeah. if we're if we're just tallying up, that's not art. That's the opposite of art. Yeah. Although unfortunately, yeah. at the high levels of of filmmaking, there are people who just 
tally up things on their yeah. end. So Fred did it for a while. He's Fred, really, he's really oh, good at Fred, it. Oh, Fred. He's world okay. class. People don't know this. Fred ran, ran MGM <laughs> from 62 to 65 and then from 72 to 73. Right. Uh, the they second run, the second, okay, and it's a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a scandal. There was the a second lot of time cocaine. he ran MGM, he did it as the MGM line. <laughs> he would put a lion suit on because he was technically banned from the lot. But he made his way back first as the MGM line because, as you know, MGM, they need to reshoot that line every yeah. four or five years. He's like, oh no, I'll, I'll get my old line kit on and then I'll, I'll uh, they won't know. Now, he Ian, actually, I don't know the history like you do. So, did, did they have an issue with the fact that he was a British lion? No, it has to be a British lion. They, oh. they have to import it from Britain. Oh. That was Mayer's, um, was it Goldwyn or Mayer's? No, it was Mayer's last. It's in his will that they have to <laughs> uh -huh. import it over from Britain. And so he every started. Every few years. Every, yeah. No, four or five years. They're not four, maniacs. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and, they, they, uh, and so he started as the lion. He worked his way up. You know, uh -huh. he started as Lion, then in the mailroom, then as um, Lion Tamer, right. and then on to CEO. And so that was 72, 73. Now, it does was a the, big... What, what kind of paperwork do you have to have on one of those lines? Oh, he has to sign everything with a pop. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> And then you get this big ink pad. Yes. <laughs> and there was uh, the reason why it ended in 73. A lot of people say like, oh, was he green lighting some rather strange films? No, it was a bit of what is now known as the chicken boo situation <laughs> where people were saying that's not a lion. That's a that's a frankly uh, confused at best uh, Englishman dressed as a lion. People say, oh, the no. jig was up. Oh, yeah. Ooh, well, the the. The mane was off. Is, is the point. They, they ripped the mane off, and he goes, "Oh, feats don't fail me now!" And he ran off, um, still on all fours. He'd been playing the role for so long at this point yeah. that he was still on all fours, and it was kind of sad to just see a man who thought he was a lion but was really a all right. Man. This may be apocryphal. Did he train Daniel Day Lewis? Um, I heard not, that he trained, and not as a lion, but as a cobbler. Oh, but okay. as. Okay. Who trained him as, as a, a lion, lion then? Oh, the cobbler did. I see. I yeah. get you. Good Whew. God. Yeah. He's been everywhere. Fred, I'm sorry, did he come up with that Alfred Hitchcock class that you took, Fred? He did. He probably taught it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Son of, Son a, of bitch. a bitch. I thought it was weird that a lion was teaching that class. Um, okay. We can move on. <laughs> Across uh, the BP <laughs> listenership. Yes. How do I delete this goddamn thing from <laughs> my phone? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and we actually probably should uh, should wrap up. But I'm glad that it, it seems appropriate uh, that we wound up talking about politics because, like, it is just it is the nature of of the Oscars and the films that are nominated and just the national conversation at least for the next two years. I have a couple. I'm sure everything will one, turn fine. I have one more note that I really want to get. What do you to. got? Um, wow me. Okay, so this is like just thinking about like my favorite moment from tonight's Oscar cast. Okay, hands down. Like, not even, there's nothing even close was the montage that was just like 90 years of dreams. And it was like a two to three minute montage of just Oscar clips, just really smartly edited and just went on and on. And just, I mean, just had, you know, these great speeches and bits of speeches from different mm -hmm. movies. I found it so moving. Yeah. And I like I was crying. Like I and which surprised me. Yeah. I am a sucker for those like end of year like 
big clip packages from like the the year in movies. Yeah, I love them so much. Um, and so this probably kind of did that. But at the same time, it's like there were so many movies in there that have spoken to me and that have moved me and yeah. that got me into movies and that that I really cherish. And it was this sort of, I mean, just talking about inclusion, talking about the idea of trying to use art to come together. That's what that montage actually was really effective at for me, was just reminding me of the beautiful impact that these films can have and that these stories can have. I found it really, really wonderfully beautiful. And I also teared up in that montage, if it's, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I believe it is, uh, at the inclusion of Roger Ebert. Yeah. Because yeah. I know it sounds weird, but aside from the in memoriam, and even then it's rare, critics don't really get talked about at the Oscars. They're not really yeah. acknowledged. Uh, and I understand, like, critics themselves, if they're worth their salt would say that it's not about them. It's about the films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was so appropriate that in order to best sum up like what film can be, yeah, they went to this fairly well-known <clears throat> critic, but he's been gone for a while at this point. Yeah. But like it, it like really, and the, and by the way, like his quote about like uh, machines that generate empathy, like that was in my article, my yeah. political article, like, because it is to me like one of the most succinct and correct assessments of film and art in general, um, that I've ever heard. And I was just so happy that they included it because it's, because that is another, that's another element of film. It is, it is adjacent. It is to the side. It is. Ideally, we should never, as critics, like we should never make it about ourselves, but it's, it was nice to, I know that it's not me, uh, it was nice to be, to be acknowledged, like to have Mm. critics acknowledged in that brief moment. It felt like such a triumph of the often uh, lambasted or ignored art of film criticism or just critical thinking of film. It was great. It was such a, um, what's a better word than triumph uh, 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 a memorial almost like a like a mm-hmm. statue to it yeah. that um this past two hours have probably destroyed <laughs> we have destroyed uh, the idea of critical thinking that's that why have- i wanted to try to bring it back <laughs> yeah, just yeah. a little bit like yeah. in a in a ceremony that i thought was kind of just okay yeah that was one really special moment like i don't usually get moved to that degree mm-hmm. Yeah. Dur- during the Oscars and just the way it was edited, just the, and it, and just all the films that they sort of put together and put next to one another, yeah. you just get this big, beautiful tapestry of, of what cinema can do and what it can add to a life. And that's the thing is to bring up politics one more time and, and relate it to this, um, as, uh, people, Again, my fellow conservatives, if they as they talk about how like they trumpet that like oh, I'm not going to watch the Oscars, like all oh, they're being so yeah. self congratulate all that shit. Um, but when it comes right down, to, and and I might even agree, like there are times when I have to like 
look away because there are cringy elements. And I don't even mean politically, like a joke doesn't work or something like that. I'm like, I am so embarrassed for everyone mm-hmm. involved yeah, right sure. now. Yeah. It everyone who presented from star Wars, <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so putting that aside, it is at its core. Yes. It's all this other stuff, but as at its core, it is a celebration of film and there's an element to the Oscars that I do like, and it happens pretty much every year. But of course, it's the 90th year, so it's yeah. they, they did it a little bit more. They acknowledge that it's not just this year. Like, film is, it kind of is this ongoing thing, and it's yeah. always going to be around. And like, yes, the movies that we celebrate this year, like, maybe they'll be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Yeah. But like, but everything that, you know, and and it's worth noting that somebody like Guillermo del Toro, who's so clearly inspired by past films that yeah. he's even quoting Spielberg, you know, yeah. and and I think that's what I like about those montages. And when the Oscars do it right, they remind you that like, yeah, we have our we have our our pet issues from time to time. We have our divisions, but regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of you know, whatever the causes that we're fighting for, regardless of any of that, movies have been around for a while. They're going to continue to be around. And there are people that are, there are young people right now. I mean, I remember watching the Oscars with my parents, uh, when I was 10 and it was one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. because it was an opportunity to think about and talk about movies. Yeah. And now it's been in our lives for a long time, but there are kids right now that are watching the Oscars and they're not merely seeing Shape of Water. They're not merely seeing Get Out or any of these other things. They're seeing like, oh, what's that from? What's that from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the if you're a kid and you're kind of interested in like war movies, hey, look at all those clips. Yeah. And it's just it's this exciting celebration of everything that film can be, everything it has been and mm-hmm. hopefully everything it will be. And that's bigger than politics. You know, in my opinion, art is always bigger than politics. Yeah. And, and it can be like this unifying thing and it can bring a tear to the eye. Uh, and it's, you know, so even when I get negative about the Oscars or whatever, like I can't be negative about them too much because they're about movies and I like movies as it there turns out. So, yeah. All right. I think we will leave it there. I say that as though we're cutting it short. We are just short of two hours at this point. But uh, but yeah, so listeners, feel free to weigh in. We talked about a lot of stuff here. Uh, yeah, listeners, like- why wasn't Get Out as good of a screenplay as The Shape of Water? Let's break them down. Do you think Lady Bird is a better script than Shape of Water? Yes. Okay. Um, what were the other nominees? Big Sick. Big Sick and uh, Three Billboards. And Three Billboards, okay. I think Lady Bird is the strongest of the bunch. Okay. Um, so listeners, yes, feel free to weigh in there. If you would like us to do an entire episode with uh, Fred Hitchcock, let us know. We'd love to have him back. Write some material for me, because <laughs> I think I reached my limit. <laughs> I think you passed the limit. Oh, oh no, you took maybe. it to the limit. <laughs> yeah. One more time. All right. There's a reason why Glenn Fry is dead. <laughs> well, okay, this isn't known. Fred Hitchcock actually killed Glenn Fry. Here's the weird thing. He killed him in 86. <laughs> it's a long story. I'm really enjoying the legend of Fred Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. It is like, it's getting right up there with like Carcassonne, which doesn't right. necessarily mean something to everybody, but it means a lot to me. Um, anyway, so, okay. Uh, 
Listeners, of course, you can go to BattleshipPretension.com and check out all of our end-of-the-year coverage, which is officially done as of now. Time to bring in the new year. Yeah. Uh, 2018. We're right in the middle of it. I guess we're in the first quarter. But, uh, but yeah, so you can check all of that out, including our top 10 lists, our wor- our 10 worst list, all of that stuff at BattleshipPretension.com. Don't forget to check out the fifth annual BP's Awards in which uh, David Scott and myself uh, discussed the winners, the nominees, and uh, 2017 in general. That is available for $1.50, uh, you know, for the price of, I guess for less than the price of a cup of coffee, you can get a 90 minute conversation and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I think that is about it. Uh, Ian, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you, Jason. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you guys for listening and we'll get you next time. Bye.